Hi, and welcome back to Rock Talk with Dr. Cropper. Today's episode is a very special one, which is why it's coming to you on a Thursday. I decided to take a few extra days to really make sure I was adequately prepared for it. I am going to be ranking Led Zeppelin's studio albums as sort of a kickoff to September. So I'll just quickly recap how I got into Led Zeppelin for those of you who are unaware. If you've been listening to the show for a while now, you've probably noticed that they are my favorite band. Uh, when I was younger, I had eight songs of theirs on my first uh, little iPod Nano, uh, which my neighbor uh, put on there for me. I think it was Stairway, Communication Breakdown, uh, maybe Black Dog. I'm not sure which other ones. I can't quite remember. But anyhow, uh, so I knew who they were and liked the few songs that I had heard, but uh, sounds strange, kind of had forgotten about them uh, by the time I was in high school. And then one day in the winter when I was in grade 10, I was putting some laundry away in my room and Fool in the Rain came on the radio. This is back when I still listened to radio before my uh, personal collection uh, grew to the point where I didn't need to anymore. And I was totally captivated by it and waited to uh, hear who that was. I didn't have uh, Shazam on my phone at the time and uh, found out it was Fool in the Rain by Led Zeppelin and thought, oh yeah, those guys, I better uh, do some further digging to uh, see what they're all about. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. I totally devoured their studio albums in the ensuing months at the expense of my grades and drafting class since that was in the computer lab. So I would uh, throw on whatever uh, Zeppelin song came to me uh, on YouTube while I was uh, doing my AutoCAD stuff and uh, almost cost me my March break trip to Smuggler's Notch. But anyhow, from there, about a year after that, I really started to get into live Zeppelin and I found that there was so much to discover there that I uh, started spending a lot more of my listening time on the live end. And uh, it's been a while since I consistently uh, listened to the studio albums quite often. I'll always uh, have a moment where I realize it's been a couple months since I listened to the studio stuff and then I'll do a marathon and listen to all the albums in order and uh, ask myself why I keep letting it go so long. But there you have it. So I will briefly explain my ranking uh, process and methodology. If any of you listened to my episode ranking Taylor Swift's albums, then you will already be familiar with it. But I also uh, eliminated some categories and added some new ones uh, the, it has to be adjusted a little bit to suit which artist you're covering. Also, in the case of Zeppelin, uh, compared to when I was ranking Taylor's albums, there's the benefit of having discovered their entire discography at once. So recency bias isn't really a factor the way that it is with an artist like Taylor who's still putting out stuff. So I start off by sorting the songs on each album 
uh, I listened chronologically, of course, and I devised a uh, a set of categories that I sort of like bins that I can sort the songs into, ranging from tempted to skip, which results in a minus three, uh, sort of a mildly dislike, which is a minus one, neutral, which of course uh, is a zero, like, which is a plus one, love, which is a plus two, uh, really love, which is a plus three, and then what I called goat, uh, greatest of all time. Uh, sports fans out there will be familiar with that uh, acronym and that uh, awards a plus five. So I listen chronologically, and as I'm listening, I sort the songs from each album into those categories. Uh, in the case of Zeppelin, none of the songs uh, scored lower than a plus one, and only two songs uh, slipped that far. And then as I go along, I also match up each album against each of the others. So I I have a spreadsheet and I go, okay, track one, which track one do I like better? Which track two do I like better? And so on. And then uh, tally up all of those and uh, sort them by their record uh, through that matchup process and also their point differential and uh, points per song to adjust for uh, albums of different length. And also with the categories, I average out their score uh, by uh, dividing the total by the number of songs on the album. And I've decided, at least for now, that uh, I think that is my uh, my metric that I prioritize the most. Uh, the uh, song score per song, I think that uh, does the best at getting to the heart of uh, the overall uh, consistent quality or lack thereof of a particular album. And then as far as the additional categories in the case of Zeppelin, they were as follows. I ranked them by the quality of the opening song and the closing song, because both of those are important. Uh, I ranked them by originality, by flow, by the lyrics, by the sonic palette, and then by each of the uh, individual members' performances, which is where it diverges a bit from uh, Taylor. These were new categories uh, because I felt it was important when you're ranking a band that was full of uh, people who are arguably the greatest of all time on their particular instrument. Uh, it's worth sorting them by uh, which albums best exemplify their individual gifts. So, um, and in the case of Jones, I divided it up so that I sorted them by uh, his performance on the bass, and then also by his performance on the keys and everything else. Of course, all of these metrics are a bit ludicrous at the end of the day because attempting to quantify the unquantifiable presents a bit of a quagmire. I only do it because I kind of think in a numbers way, and at least running them through this gamut helps me to get a bit more clarity about the general way that I feel 
about each of the albums and then I can reserve the the right uh, to um, adjust it slightly. Usually uh, by the time I finish running through all of the metrics, a series of tiers emerges uh, where there's groupings where it's obvious that those ones are sort of of a similar quality and then within that tier it's kind of up to personal preference how you order them but uh, the separation between them and ones in a different tier is a bit more clear in the case of uh, Taylor there was clearly a tier for the top two and then a tier for the middle four and then a tier for the bottom two with uh, a fair bit of separation between the two of them at the bottom. In the case of Zeppelin, uh, there was a clear number one, and then second and third were sort of their own tier, fourth and fifth were a tier, sixth and seventh were a tier, and then a clear-cut uh, last place, which if you were counting adds up to eight, uh, I am not including Coda, which they released uh, two years after John Bonham died and they broke up because uh, I don't think it's really fair to um, include one that's uh, comprised of leftovers from uh, sessions for uh, albums that had already been released uh, and was uh, assembled after the band had ceased to uh, exist as a uh, active and functioning entity and without one of the members. The overall high and clustered uh, scores of the eight albums on all of my uh, metrics is a testament to the quality of their discography, and I think it'll be difficult to find another artist with as high of an overall uh, score on my song score per song metric which uh, the other reason i like that metric is because it enables me to compare across artists uh the zeppelin uh came out with an average uh song score per song of 3.92 for their entire catalog which is uh, extremely high i mean i love taylor swift and she got a 1.89 overall now part of that's dragged down by her debut if you eliminate it it uh ends up just over a two, but still that's uh, 3.92 is an incredibly high uh, song score per song for an artist's entire catalog. And I suspect that the Beatles are the only ones that uh, will have a chance of coming close to or toppling that. It's possible that I'm a little biased or at least uh, genre biased because rock is my favorite, but uh, there's no disputing that they have one of the most consistently great uh, catalogs in music. Really, this was like uh, choosing between your children, and I love them all in their own way, and I turn to each of them to scratch a different itch because they all uh, suit different moods and emotions. Uh, and going through this process of creating the rankings made me fall in love with their catalog all over again, if that's even possible, and reminded me why they're my number one artist as if I needed a reminder. Uh, and I think it's tough to, it would be tough to find another artist that 
consistently uh, reinvented themselves so drastically from one album to the next, and sometimes even from one song to the next, and yet uh, were still extremely cohesive and maintained their distinct uh, sound. And without further ado, let's get into it. At number eight, I have In Through the Outdoor, their final album, While They Were Still Together, uh, released on August 15th, 1979. The track listing for it is In the Evening, Southbound Suarez, Fool in the Rain, Hot Dog, Carousel Ombra, All My Love, and I'm Gonna Crawl. It uh, finished eighth in uh, average finish when I compiled where they placed in all of all 16 of the categories at a 7.125. Uh, it was last in wins losses, uh, finished 0 and 7 in the matchups against the other albums, uh, last in point differential at a minus 39.5. Now that sounds like a huge number, but most of them have one in the negative simply because physical graffiti has, uh, like twice as many songs as most of them. So don't, put too much stock in the the actual number there uh eighth in points per song throughout the matchups at 1.29 and eighth in song score which is with the categories uh with a 22 and eighth in song score per song at 3.14 which is certainly not bad and uh, proves that this is by no means a bad album. It's more a testament to how great the other seven are. Um, a 3.14 song score per song is good enough to uh, finish ahead of all but uh, speak now as far as the Taylor albums go. So uh, certainly all of these last place, last place finishes uh, should not be taken to suggest that In Through the Outdoor sucks. Uh, I ranked it last for opening song but again the competition is really fierce uh especially for opening songs on zeppelin albums uh, i still think in the evening is a great song uh, i ranked it last for closer as well i'm not a huge uh fan of i'm gonna crawl i used to like it a bit more uh i wouldn't argue with someone who put it ahead of Led Zeppelin 3 as far as closer though. Uh, I'll get to that in a little while. I did rank it the fourth most original. Uh, I think there's a fair bit of stuff on In Through the Outdoor that uh, was is unlikely to have ever been written by anybody else. Uh, if you if you know what I mean by that, that it's uh, quite uh clearly uh a result of the particular musical ingredients that they had with uh the four of their uh talents and interests and all of that um especially um a song like carousel Ambra. i ranked it uh seventh in flow uh which isn't to say that it's choppy it's just uh some of the others are really good on that front uh ranked it sixth in the lyric department it has some really great lines especially fool in the rain uh which has some of my favorite uh lyrics of theirs but 
it also has some that are so-so, uh, such as In I'm Gonna Crawl and also uh, Carousel Ombra. While the lyrics are complex in the sense that the the meaning is not immediately obvious, I can never decide if they are actually deep or kind of nonsensical. I ranked it last for Sonic Palette, uh, last for Page's performance, uh, seventh for Plant's performance, so second last, uh, last for Bonham's performance, even though Fool in the Rain is one of his best tracks, uh, last for Jones's bass performance, but second best for everything else Jones does. Uh, he was really a force to be reckoned with on the keys on this album, and there's a lot of synthesizer-driven stuff. And I have one other quick uh, category which did not factor into the rankings, just sort of a uh, point of interest uh, for me at least, and maybe for some of you as well. I uh, sorted them by the percentage of the songs uh, from each album that were played live. So in the case of In Through the Outdoor, three of the seven tracks were played live, which works out to 43%, which is seventh. Uh, in the Evening and Hot Dog were in the set list in 1979 and 1980, and All My Love was in the 1980 set list. So Southbound, Suarez, Fool in the Rain, Carousel Ombra, and I'm Gonna Crawl were never played, which is unfortunate, especially in the case of Fool in the Rain. Now, reportedly, um, Carousel Ombra and maybe Fool in the Rain were uh, at least being considered and worked on uh, for the uh, North American tour that would have been in the fall of 1980 that they were rehearsing for when Bonham passed away. As far as my specific thoughts about each song, uh, Thinking the Evening is a really good song, as I mentioned, uh, so much so that when I was in grade 11, I used it as my pump-up song before basketball tryouts. Uh, so it's a, a nice... Uh, well, it starts off with a, an ethereal sort of synthesizer and uh, timpani uh, driven introduction and then uh, crashes into a, a good uh, rock song that gets the blood pumping. Uh, Southbound Suarez I've always kind of liked but it's uh, definitely not um, in the, uh, the conversation for one of their greatest songs or anything. Fool in the Rain, however, I do think is in that conversation. Uh, one of Bonham's coolest grooves, uh, inspired by the Purdy Shuffle and uh, a, a neat solo from Page, some of Plant's best lyrics, and uh, really cool contributions from Jones, too, and a unique uh, midsection for them with the uh, Latin feel to it. Hot Dog is a fun little song, uh, sort of a satirical uh, take on country, uh, but they ended up writing a really good country song in the process. 
I actually think it does a better job of that uh, sort of genre spoof type of thing than the crunge does for funk, which a lot of people might disagree with me on. And it has some funny and clever lyrics from Plant as well. Uh, I've always liked the line, I took your love at 17, a little late these days it seems. Caro Salambra is quite an unusual song. Uh, I would say it's between it and In the Light from Physical Graffiti for their most unusual. It uh, has multiple different sections uh, that don't repeat. It's uh, sort of like uh, Sweet Judy Blue Eyes by uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash in that respect. Uh, it's very adventurous and synthesizer-driven, and as I mentioned, has some uh, obscure lyrics from Plant. Uh, I'm not always in the mood for it, but if you're in more of a studious mood to sit there and uh, just focus on uh, the details of it, you can at least appreciate the ambitiousness of it. Uh, All My Love, which Plant wrote uh, to or about his son Carrick, who passed away uh, towards the end of, uh, while they were on the 1977 uh, tour and forced the cancellation of the rest of the dates uh, is appropriately uh, touching for that sort of subject matter and uh, I think is unfairly maligned by some segments of the fan base and by Page himself, who uh, I can't remember if it was at the time or since then, or both has uh, sometimes made uh, somewhat disparaging uh, comments about it and said that he could picture people doing the wave uh, to it during the chorus, uh, which is kind of funny that he uh, considered that to be like that would be the worst thing in the world if people ended up doing that to one of their songs. Uh, yeah, I don't think it uh, deserves whatever hate it gets. I mean, no, I don't think it's a top 10 song of theirs, but I do think it's very good. And uh, obviously Plant was going to feel compelled to write a song addressing what had happened to Carrick on the first album uh, after it happened. And then I'm Gonna Crawl is an interesting uh, closer. It's sort of harkens back to their uh, blues roots in a way, but uh, isn't um, sort of your typical blues and is not how they would have approached a blues song earlier in their career, which uh, is good that it's uh, unique and everything, but I don't think it's... uh, one of their greatest songs. I used to like it a lot more when I first uh, heard the album, uh, but it's fine. It has a nice solo from Page, actually, but I think uh, the uh, not overly uh, ambitious or clever lyrics drag it down a little bit. Uh, Plant and Jones were the driving forces in the creation of In Through the Outdoor due to Page and Bonham's substance issues that they were battling at the time, which explains the much more piano and synthesizer 
driven sound uh perhaps because of this it might be their most accessible album to non-rock fans uh maybe not carousel ombra but the rest of it um fool in the rain is one of my favorite songs of theirs uh lyrically and sonically i i love how the lyrics uh tell the story of um you know the narrator being uh anxious and starting to freak out thinking that this girl that he's enamored with is standing him up. And then, uh, at the end says, I'll run in the rain till I'm breathless. When I'm breathless, I'll run till I drop the thoughts of a fool's kind of careless. I'm just a fool waiting on the wrong block. I've always thought that was a hilarious lyrical twist, uh, at the end there. Um, and as I mentioned, fool in the rain is the song that spurred my fandom, uh, but it's also the only song from this album that I listen to regularly. Uh, for the most part, I quite enjoy the other songs on it when I do listen to them, but maybe that's because I don't overdo it. At number seven, we have their seventh album, Presence, which was released on March 31st, 1976. The track listing for this one is Achilles' Last Stand, for Your Life, Royal Orleans, Nobody's Fault But Mine, Candy Store Rock, Hot's On For Nowhere, and T For One. Now, this one represents a significant jump in quality from In Through the Outdoor, in my opinion, and is uh, part of a tier with the one ahead of it that was the tightest uh, tier. They finished tied uh, for sixth in average finish across all the categories, uh, 5.3125. I was very tempted to, uh, switch the order because I've always had a soft spot for presence. I ended up not doing so, but it was, uh, very close. Uh, presence finished seventh in wins losses, uh, in the matchups at, uh, one win, five losses and a tie. 7th in point differential, minus 15.5, 7th in points per song at a 3, uh, that's uh, points per song in the matchups, and then 7th in song score with a 24, 7th in song score per song, the key metric at a 3.43, which was only a hundredth of a point below the one that I put in 6th. The uh, other member of this uh, tier, which finished with a 3.44. So, like I say, extremely close. Uh, I think Presence has the best opening song in Achilles' Last Stand. Uh, I think it has the fourth best closer with T for One. I think it's the fifth most original, uh, fifth best flow, third best lyrics. It has a lot of uh, great hidden gems uh lyrically uh seventh best sonic palette which has a caveat with it it's still great uh the only reason it's lower is it's less diverse than the other albums and could be a bit abrasive which perhaps uh contributes to its lower accessibility uh, i think it's fourth best for page it does have some of his uh, best soloing, and Achilles is one of his best individual songs. 
but it doesn't showcase as much variety in his playing as uh, the ones that I put ahead of him, or excuse me, of it uh, do. I ranked it last for Plant's performance, which is understandable because he was in a wheelchair uh, when they recorded most of it, still recovering from the car accident. So he performed very admirably under those circumstances, but uh, still not as good as the albums when he was at full strength. Uh, I think this is Bonham's best album, uh, and I don't think it's uh, particularly close. Uh, He's just unbelievable all the way through with uh, every aspect of his playing, the fast fills with his hands, impressive bass drum work, crazy syncopation uh, compared to other albums. Uh, and Yeah, just overall more uh, complex and uh, consistently aggressive. And yeah, it's all there. Uh, this is the only album of theirs that's uh, chock full of songs that I just wouldn't even attempt for years because I was uh, scared to for fear of how miserably I would fail at it. I finally learned Achilles' Last Stand a few years ago, which I think is uh, his overall most difficult song to play simply because of the muscular endurance it takes to play at that intensity uh, with with that uh, complexity. Uh, and at that tempo for 10 whole minutes uh, with no reprieves in the middle. Like Dazed and Confused, you can take a breather during the, the violin bow solo, and then it has its stops and starts and slower parts, but Achilles is just uh, balls-to-the-wall drumming the whole 10 minutes. Uh, I recently started learning Hots On for Nowhere in Royal Orleans, which uh, has been really fun, but definitely in the case of Hots On for Nowhere requires a syncopation that I would not have been able to pull off until recently. Uh, I think it's the fourth best for Jones's bass playing. He plays some awesome stuff on this. It's just the ones that I put ahead of it have a few more instances of him playing really melodically and in some cases even carrying the melody like on Ramble On, on Zeppelin II, and that melodic style is kind of his signature as a bassist, so I put those ones ahead of Presence, but he certainly uh, has some phenomenal bass playing on Presence. And lastly, I had no choice but to rank it last for everything else that Jones does because he doesn't do anything else on Presence. They, uh, recorded it in only 18 days because the Stones had the studio booked after them to record Black and Blue, so they uh, sort of stuck to the uh, the basics, uh, quote-unquote, uh, for rock with the guitar, drums, bass, uh, although the uh, 10 ribs uh, and all carrot pod pod, strange title, uh, bonus track that was released on the deluxe edition a couple of years ago features some of his best piano work and uh, had that song been included somehow i think this would probably rank a little bit higher for jones's non-bass contributions unfortunately only two of the seven tracks 
were played live, which works out to 29% and is, of course, uh, last place in that regard. Achilles' Last Stand and Nobody's Fault But Mine were set list fixtures from 1977 through to the end, but none of the other five songs were ever played. For Your Life was played at the 2007 reunion show, but that uh, doesn't count. I have to wonder if they had been able to tour much sooner after the release of the album, if they would have tried more songs from it, but because Plant was still recovering from his car accident and they weren't able to tour until uh, April 1st, 1977, so a full year after the release of the album, uh, and I guess they already would have been aware, aware that it uh, wasn't uh, selling quite as well uh, as the other ones had uh, after the initial burst when, of course, it went platinum on uh, advanced orders just because they're Zeppelin. Um, and I guess they would have seen reviews and heard rumblings and stuff that uh, people didn't love it as much as some of their other ones. Uh, maybe that affected their set list choices in 77. Uh, I guess we will never know. So yeah, they weren't planning to make an album at the time. They were planning to be on tour again in the second half of 75 with some uh, stadium shows in the States in August, September, and uh, a show at the Rose Bowl in January 76 as well. And then uh, they were working on potentially a Scandinavian tour uh, later in the fall of 75, uh, but that all got canceled when Plant had a car accident in Greece in the summer. And since they were tax exiles, he went to rehab in Los Angeles eventually renting a house in Malibu with Paige to work on the new songs. And then they convened with Bonham and Jones at Musicland Studios in Munich uh, later in the fall to record. As far as my song-by-song -song observations, I think Achilles' Last Stand is one of their very best songs. It's Bonham's best, in my opinion, and potentially Paige's best. Uh, they get labeled as heavy metal a lot, or at least as the progenitors of it. But to me, Achilles is the only last is the only song uh, in their catalog that I would actually classify as metal, uh, sonically and subject matter wise. And once again, they were ahead of the curve with it being written and recorded in 1975. Most of the metal acts didn't uh, really start to emerge until. Uh, later in the 70s and into the 80s. Uh, For Your Life is one of their best hidden gems, I think. Uh, it has some neat time signature uh, stuff going on and uh, some of Plant's best lyrics, which uh, criticize the growing prevalence of cocaine in the music scene in Los Angeles in particular uh, at that time. And one friend of his who had sort of been ruined by it and he even makes a snorting sound uh towards the end of the song to uh make the message even more clear if uh it had been lost on some people uh royal orleans is one of their uh best and most fun songs in the three minute uh range in my opinion uh they don't have too many that are that short but uh i think it very easily could have 
uh, ended up being more popular and more often played on the radio, and I'm not sure uh, why it wasn't. Uh, I've never totally fell in love with Nobody's Fault But Mine, otherwise I'd probably uh, have this album a spot or two higher, uh, but I certainly don't dislike it, and it has uh, some great performances by all of them. It's just, uh, I don't know, some songs do it for you and some songs don't. And it's weird because I love the blues and it's an adaptation of an old uh, Blind Willie Johnson uh, song. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure why I've never uh, completely fell in love with it. Uh, Candy Store Rock has a neat and difficult uh, drum part, but I'm not going to suggest that it's a brilliant song. Um had they made something out of the 10 ribs, uh, bonus track, which is one of my favorite bonus tracks of theirs. Um, and, uh, included that in place of candy store rock, uh, or maybe even in addition to, then, uh, that could also have helped the album climb a spot higher. Hots on for nowhere has always been a personal favorite of mine and uh, has some of Plant's most underrated lyrics and, as I mentioned already, some of Bonham's uh, coolest playing from a syncopation perspective. Uh, And then T for One, the closer, uh, captures that lonely, uh, desolate mood really well. I think the album is underrated and unfairly criticized. Uh, As I mentioned, I think there's a big gap between it and In Through the Outdoor, and a very small gap between it and sixth place, so don't read too much into the the seventh place uh, finish. I think it's probably their least accessible album, which doesn't help. And Plant even uh, acknowledged that in his podcast episode about Achilles' Last Stand. By the way, you should definitely check out uh, his podcast called Digging Deep. It's uh, very insightful, and he's always an entertaining guest. Uh, Anyway, he says something to the effect of uh, it capturing a very particular feeling that's hard to relate to unless you've been there, and I'd have to agree there. Somewhere along the way, I saw one of them describe it as a cry from the depths as well, because it was the first time that their existence had really been uh, questioned or threatened uh, with Plant's accident, and uh, the difficult circumstances created a difficult album for some people to get into. Perhaps more so than any of their other albums, it's musicians' music, with the uh, complex time signatures going on and uh, it's just demanding and difficult stuff to play whether you're the drummer, the guitarist, or the bassist. Uh, And I would say its lack of popularity uh, suggests that this complexity and technical proficiency is either lost on most listeners or they notice and don't care. Uh, It certainly doesn't have any that are really sing-along types or even a ton that are like blast with the windows down types. Uh, It's more crank it up with headphones or good speakers and sit there and focus on the nuances of the playing, which isn't um, everybody's cup of tea or preferred way of digesting music, uh, I guess. I suspect that if you asked uh, metal and maybe even certain jazz fans, this might be their favorite Zeppelin album, or at least the one that they find the most impressive since 
uh, technical proficiency and uh, overall musical complexity tends to be more prized in those genres than it is in uh, mainstream rock, at least. Uh, throw progressive rock in there, too, as far as uh, fans that might appreciate presence more than your typical rock fans do. Uh, even if you don't enjoy the album, I think you should at least appreciate and respect it. And I think it's their best album to listen to if you're angry or your back is up against the wall or you're feeling like it's uh, you against the world. I also have an extra soft spot for it because it was released on my birthday. And maybe that's affected my opinion of it over the years as well, because I'm always uh, in a great mood when I'm listening to it since it's my birthday. At number six, I have Led Zeppelin II, which, as you might have guessed, was their second album, released on October 22nd, 1969 in the States and October 31st, 1969 in the UK. Its track listing is Whole Lot of Love, What Is and What Should Never Be, The Lemon Song, Thank You, Heartbreaker, Living Loving Maid, She's Just a Woman, Ramble On, Moby Dick, and Bring It On Home. It finished tied for sixth with Presence in average finish at 5.3125, sixth in wins-losses at uh, two wins, five losses, fifth in point differential, minus 5.5, fourth in points per song, 3.22, sixth in song score, 32, sixth in song score per song, 3.56. Uh, that's right, I misspoke uh, when I said that it was only separated by a hundredth of a point with uh, presence, I made a slight revision to its score because I felt I had been uh, unnecessarily harsh. Uh, I think it has the second best opener with Whole Lot of Love, which might be controversial to prefer Achilles' Last Stand. But uh, my reasoning for that is I think Whole Lot of Love went to another level with the live versions. And if I was just choosing between the two studio versions, I would take Achilles. I think it has the sixth best closer with Bring It On Home. Uh, I have it the seventh most original, which might sound a bit strange considering how influential it was and still is uh, in rock and beyond, but it owes a fairly heavy debt to the blues which has even been established by the courts over the years, uh, which some of you may be aware. Uh, I think it has the fourth best flow, uh, second last for lyrics, uh, sixth best sonic palette, sixth best for pages performance, fourth best for plants, uh, sixth best for Bonham, uh, third best for Jones's bass playing. I had always thought that it was his best from a bass playing perspective, and uh, it definitely has some of his most melodic bass lines and maybe even the most instances of him uh, playing the bass uh, like a lead instrument or fulfilling the, the lead role of uh, carrying the melody, sort of uh, more in a John Endwistle. Uh, style, not that he was as melodic as Jones, but played it like a lead instrument. You know what I mean? Uh, but then I decided that uh, there were two 
where his bass playing was even better, which I'll get to in a while. Uh, and I think it's seventh best for everything else that Jones does, uh, apart from his very nice organ playing on Thank You. He doesn't do uh, too much else on this one. Uh, seven of the nine songs from this song were played live, 78%, which is fifth, but it gets a bit nitpicky uh, at this point with uh, the ones that were that many of the songs were played live. The percentages are pretty close. Um, it produced several uh, concert staples. A whole Lot of Love uh, debuted April 26th, 1969 at Winterland in San Francisco, and uh, by mid-1970 it had supplanted how many more times is their uh, concert closer uh, pre-encore and would feature some epic me medleys of old uh, rock and roll and blues classics before being stripped down for the 1973 North American tour and then it kicked off the encores for basically all of 1975 although they would uh, extend the theremin section and then cut it off just before Paige's solo and transition into Black Dog. Uh, and then it kicked off the encores for most of the uh, second half of the 1977 tour, uh, but it was even more truncated then. It was only about uh, a minute long prelude to rock and roll. And then it returned in a revised but complete form as an encore in 1979 and 1980. Uh, what Is and What Should Never Be was a staple from 1970 through the 1972 North American tour, and then was dropped. Uh, the Lemon Song itself made occasional appearances in medleys throughout the years, uh, such as uh, towards the end of the Whole Lot of Love medleys in uh, uh, Europe in 1973, and they also got into a little bit of it at the end of In My Time of Dying on the second night in Los Angeles, uh, June 22nd, 1977. Uh, but Killing Floor by Howlin' Wolf, which it borrows heavily from, uh, was a staple in 1969 in their live sets and made sporadic medley appearances thereafter, uh, such as in the Boston 71 version of Whole Lotta Love Thank You was part of the set list proper in 1970 and then a very common encore in 1971, less so in 1972, and then finally played only three times in 73, uh, Southampton, the last night in LA, and the last night in New York before uh, being dropped for good. I think it was one of their best encore uh, songs and especially uh, one of the best final encore songs. Uh, Heartbreaker is one of two songs that they performed at least once in each of their touring years, Communication Breakdown uh, being the other. And I think it functioned best as the second song of the show, flowing out of Immigrant Song, as it did from June 1970 through June 1972, uh, which also happens to be their best live period in my opinion. And then Living Loving Made was never played, uh, not surprisingly, as it is often uh, reported to be Paige's least favorite Zeppelin song. Uh, Ramble On was also never played in full. It was teased in medleys every now and then, 
uh, in between songs, but then they did play it at the 2007 reunion show. And then Moby Dick, which was rebranded as Over the Top in 1977, was played at almost every show uh, from its inception through the July 17th, 77 show in Seattle. A few of the non-North American tours in that time frame uh, didn't have it in the set list, but for the most part, uh, it was a staple. And before they came up with the Moby Dick uh, riff to frame Bonham's solo. He had been uh, soloing with a different intro and outro uh, riff, uh, and it was called Pat's Delight. And then Bring It On Home was in the set list for much of 1970 and had a few appearances um, thereafter uh, in uh, encores in 1972 a few times and that, and then uh, was not played after 1972. Except the uh, heavier riff that kicks off the midsection was used as the introduction to Black Dog on the North American 1973 tour. Uh, it was written and recorded while they were on tour in 1969, and it ended up knocking the Beatles' Abbey Road from the number one spot, which uh, foreshadowed uh, things to come the following year. In the fall of 1970, they would uh, knock the Beatles from the number one spot in the Melody Maker uh, reader's poll for favorite artist, and then, of course, they broke the Beatles' attendance record with their Tampa Stadium show in 1973. Uh, anyway, Zeppelin II has fewer covers, and uh, I'll call them half covers, where uh, some lyrics were uh, kind of improperly borrowed from old blues songs and that uh, than the debut does, but it's still significantly uh, inspired by the blues. It expands on many of the themes that are present on the debut album. Uh, a whole lot of love takes the studio trickery to the next level and has an even wilder and trippier, uh, pre-solo section than Dazed and Confused does and, uh, expands on Paige's, uh, wizardry with, uh, the theremin this time instead of the violin bow. Uh, this album has some of the best riffs of all time, with a whole lot of love and heartbreaker and moby dick and even bring it on home uh and with respect to bonham's playing a lot of it on this album has a kind of neat shuffly feel to it uh heartbreaker especially and uh gives the impression that there's something more complex than a straight 4-4 beat going on a lot of love is certainly uh, one of their best songs and one of my favorites and uh, justifiably heralded as one of the best riffs of all time and it really showcases uh, Paige in particular's attention to detail with the way that uh, the uh, the second and fourth notes of the riff he uh, plays them uh, by I'm not a guitarist, so forgive me if I explain this poorly, but he doesn't play the note the simplest way possible. He plays it by uh, playing two other notes at the same time and then slowly kind of uh, bends them out of sync with each other, which is how you get that, that slight bit of like dissonance that 
uh, makes it sound even more aggressive and uh, violent and uh, increases the tension. Uh, and then, of course, the midsection, as I mentioned, is uh, wild with the theremin and uh, Jones and Bonham's creative underpinnings of it and uh, Plant's uh, uh, attempt at Meg Ryan's fake orgasm scene from when Harry met Sally. Of course, uh, they were 20 years before the movie with, with this one. What is and what should never be is another one that's kind of like nobody's fault but mine for me, where uh, some days I'm really into it, other days I can kind of take it or leave it. Uh, I liked it a lot more when I first uh, heard this album. Now, maybe because uh, I've listened to so many live shows from when it was in the set list, and it's one that doesn't come across as well on uh, bootlegs with kind of abrasive sound quality so that could be harming my opinion of it uh, but it is a great display of uh, their sense of dynamics and uh, features some of the coolest uh, stereo panning that I've heard uh, towards the end of the song with Paige's guitar kind of schizophrenically uh, alternating between the left and right channels and I also think that does a great job of uh, mirroring the lyrics which Plant wrote about uh, his desire to have an affair with his wife's sister. So I think the uh, the guitar frantically alternating channels kind of mirrors what must have been uh, going through uh, Plant's head as he was torn about his little situation. The Lemon Song is very cool and always been one of my favorites, has some of Jones's very best and most melodic uh, bass playing, definitely uh, lead bass playing, and was recorded live in the studio, which is very impressive considering the uh, abrupt uh, tempo and time signature changes and how in sync they remain throughout all of that. And it also contains Plant's uh, version of Robert Johnson's uh, squeeze my lemon a uh, bit thank you uh, I think is one of their uh, sweetest most romantic uh, songs uh, the studio version is very nice with Paige's acoustic uh, guitar solo and the harmonies uh, are better than they would be on the live versions but I would go with the live versions if I had to choose I think because of uh, Pages, uh, epic solos that he would play on the live versions of it. Heartbreaker is another of the uh, all-time great riffs contained on this album, and uh, Page's a cappella guitar solo uh, was obviously uh, a unique thing and uh, inspired things like uh, Eddie Van Halen's uh, version of it with their song Eruption. Living Loving Made, which uh, flows straight out of Heartbreaker. I don't quite agree with Paige that it's like just a terrible song, but I definitely think it's the uh, weakest on the album and was one of the two that I put in the only plus one uh, category. And then Ramble On is one of their most popular songs, certainly from a, a radio play uh, perspective, and would be 
my very favorite uh, song for Jones's bass playing. It's uh, very melodic and uh, is sort of the lead instrument as far as uh, carrying the melody. And then um, he actually, uh, I didn't notice until I listened to the isolated bass track on YouTube, but if you pay close attention during the fade out, he uh, really takes it for a walk and does some uh, even cooler stuff. And the uh, lyrics contain Plant's most overt uh, Lord of the Rings reference with uh, In the darkest depths of mortar, I met a girl so fair, but Gollum the evil one crept up and slipped away with her. Which, as a Lord of the Rings fan, uh, I always quite liked, but I uh, it also can make it seem a little bit um, not not farcical, but, uh, jovial, maybe, uh, I don't know, whenever you put in references like that, that are too specific, whether it's, uh, to a technology that's unique to that time period or to any, uh, other particular work like that, whether it's a book or a movie or something, you can run the risk of, uh, dating it a little bit but I still love Ramble On, don't get me wrong. And then Moby Dick, as a drummer, of course, I have to uh, love it. The uh, The studio version is unique in that it uh, focuses on the part with Bonham playing with his hands and is less than five minutes long. Um, it would be uh, as long as... 36 minutes in the case of the longest version, but it would usually be more in the uh, 15 to 25 minute range. Uh, and then Bring It On Home is another one kind of like what is and what should never be that uh, is a bit of an on again, off again one for me as far as uh, how much I like it. Um, but it's a neat little... Uh, sort of nod to their blues roots and uh uh it fits as a closer for this particular album uh without a doubt all rock and metal acts that came after the release of led zeppelin 2 uh owe it a heavy debt it's haphazard vibe which is no doubt a result of the conditions it was created under uh both helps it and hurts it i think it sounds exactly like the wild debaucherous road trip that the tours it was created on were uh, which makes it ideal if that's the sort of mood you're in uh, i guess i'm just not always in that mood at least not as much as i was when i was 15 uh i don't mean for that to sound uh snarky or condescending by the way um it's also the roughest or uh, least clean uh, mix of any of their albums I think, which uh, kind of suits it, but also uh, potentially dampens my opinion of it. At number five, I have Led Zeppelin III, which was released on October 5th, 1970. Its track listing is Immigrant Song, Friends, Celebration Day, Since I've Been Loving You, Out on the Tiles, Gallows Pole, Tangerine, That's the Way, Bronyar Stomp, and Hats Off to Roy Harper. 
it finished fifth in average finish at 5.125, fifth in wins losses in the matchups, three wins, four losses, uh, fourth in point differential, minus 4.5, sixth in points per song, 3.1, tied for third in song score with a 37, and fourth in song score per song at a 3.7. Uh, so this is the first instance of me overriding the song score per song uh, slightly. It has the sixth best opener, I think, which sounds ridiculous to say uh, when you're talking about Immigrant Song, but I will explain in a moment. Uh, the seventh best or second worst closer uh, wouldn't argue with you if you ranked it as the weakest closer in Hats Off to Roy Harper. I would say sixth most original, uh, but a big leap in that department from the first two, which ranked uh, seventh and eighth. Uh, sixth, sixth, sorry, best flow, uh, fourth best lyrics, fourth best sonic palette, uh, seventh best for page, second best for plant, seventh best for bottom. Sixth best for Jones's bass playing, but it still has some really cool stuff. It's just uh, with the volume of acoustic songs on it, uh, there isn't as much bass playing uh, compared to some other ones. Uh, and fifth best for everything else Jones does. Uh, nine of the ten songs were played in full uh, live at least once. Uh, so 90% of course, uh, which is second, but that's a bit deceiving because three of them were only played once or twice. Uh, Immigrant Song was the opening song of their concerts from June 1970 through June 1972 and was arguably their best show opener. It would be between that and the song remains the same. And then it was used sporadically as an encore uh, later in 72 and very early 73 before being dropped. Uh, I'm sure Plant's uh, vocal uh, decline as far as his high range contributed to dropping it. Uh, Friends was only played once uh, September 29th, 1971 in Osaka, Japan. Celebration Day was played for most of 1971 uh, which of the 71 versions are the best ones, and then sporadically in 72 before returning as a fixture in the set list for the 1973 North American tour. It then returned for the 1979 shows before being dropped again. Uh, Since I've Been Loving You was a staple in the live shows from early 1970 all the way through 1980, uh, save and except for 1975 when it was only played thrice, uh, the last night in New York, last night in Seattle, and last night in Los Angeles. Uh, it was likely removed from the set initially due to Paige's injured finger, and then by the time his finger was healed, uh, Plant's voice was uh, battered from catching the flu while they were on tour, so they didn't uh, bring it back full time. Uh, Out on the Tiles was only played in full twice, September 4th, 1970 in Los Angeles and September 19th, 1970, the evening show in New York. Now, reportedly, it was also played 
the uh, late show in Honolulu on September 6th, 1970, but there's no recording of uh, that to date. However, its riff was used as an intro to Black Dog uh, for pretty much Black Dog's whole time in the set list, except for the 73 North American tour when they used uh, Bring It On Home instead. And then it was used as the intro to Bonham's solo in 77 uh, when they renamed it Over the Top. And in that case, they played a little bit more of it than they would uh, when they were using it to lead into Black Dog. And it shows what an embarrassment of riches they had as far as great riffs and great songs that they never explored it further live because I think it sounded really good live. Uh, and then Gallows Pole was only played in full twice as well, May 3rd, 71 in Copenhagen and November 16th, 1971 in Ipswich. Uh, now, there are a lot of missing recordings from 71, so it's possible that it was played a handful of other times, but for now we only have two versions of it. Um, Plant would hint at it periodically, though, uh, in medleys and that, and between songs, uh, most notably during the outros of Trampled Underfoot in March of 75. I also think it worked really well uh, live with the uh, more electric arrangement, and I wish they would have uh, kept it in the set longer. Uh, Tangerine debuted in Japan in September of 71 and was a regular in the set for the first half of 1972, and then they dropped it before, uh, at the same time that they dropped the acoustic set uh, mostly. And then uh, it resurfaced in an electric arrangement uh, with four-part harmonies for the Earl's Court shows in May of 75. That's the Way was a staple from June 1970 through June 1972, and then uh, resurfaced for the Earl's Court shows as well. Bronyar Stomp debuted in September 71 in Japan as well, and stayed in the set through April 73, uh, so that's the European tour, and then was dropped for the uh, 73 North American tour, and returned for the Earl's Court shows and all of the 1977 tour. And Hats Off to Roy Harper is the only song from the album that was never performed. As far as song-by-song song, uh, observations, Immigrant Song is probably one of their most recognizable songs. I was actually a bit of a late convert to it. It took me discovering the live versions of it to truly appreciate it. Uh, and I still prefer the live versions because of Paige adding a great solo at the end. But I now love the studio version as well. The riff and Plants Valhalla, uh, Wales get all of the attention, but the lyrics are great too, and the call for peace and trust to win the day at the end uh, probably slips by many listeners. Uh, Friends showcases the Eastern influences that were hinted at on the debut and would be explored even further on subsequent albums, and uh, I give it bonus points for having congas. I think Celebration Day came alive a bit more 
in the live versions, especially in 1971, but the studio version is still great, and uh, it features some of Jones's coolest bass playing, uh, which would be taken even further in the 71 live versions. Uh, Since I've Been Loving You is probably their best original blues, uh, not just from original from a legal standpoint either, but uh, truly took the blues and made it something new. Uh, It's one of Plant's finest vocal performances and one of Paige's best solos. And Bonham does some uh, neat stuff by playing uh, duple meter style fills in a triple meter song. Uh, This type of contrast would be explored further on Black Dog and Cashmere as far as having multiple time signatures going at the same time between the different instruments. And I also love Bonham's uh, cyclical fills at the very end of the song on the studio version, which he never quite played the same way that he does on the studio uh, live. And not only is it a very Uh, emotional song, but the recording is so intimate that you can hear Bonham's bass pedal uh, squeaking. Out on the Tiles, uh, which is inspired by a little ditty Bonham used to sing when he was heading out for a night on the town and uh, resulted in a writing credit for him, Uh, has always been a personal favorite of mine. It's one of Bonham's coolest grooves and uh, one of their most underrated riffs in my opinion i especially like the way that they played it on the uh the late show at msg in 1970 transitioning directly in a communication breakdown out of the uh sort of spiraling uh outro section that out on the tiles has and i think they could have explored that combination a lot further had they so desired Kicking off side two, Gallows Pole is a great adaptation of an old, old O-L-D-E English uh, folktale, The Maid Freed from the Gallows. I love how the mix uh, gets more and more cluttered as the song goes on, uh, mirroring how someone who's pleading for their life at the gallows would be getting more and more frantic as a zero hour approached. I especially love uh, Plant's lyrical uh, twist at the end where, you know, he's asked his sister to uh, perform some favors for the executioner uh, to try to spare him and uh, has asked his brother to bribe him in more material ways and all of that. And uh, the executioner says, yes, you've got a fine sister. She warmed my blood from cold. She warmed my blood to boiling hot, but now I laugh and pull so hard, see swinging from the gallows pole. And Jones has some really neat bass playing on this that can get lost amidst the melee if you aren't listening for it. And I also like how there's banjo on this. It's one of my uh, favorite instruments, and you don't often hear it on rock albums. Uh, Tangerine is one of their sweetest songs. You might even say cute, which is not uh, usual for Zeppelin stuff. I first heard it very early in my Zeppelin journey uh, when Q107, the local uh, classic rock station, was doing some mystery guest the song sort of segment uh, while my dad and I were on the way to visit my grandpa. And uh, 
it was also one of the first songs that my band learned and we played it a fair bit over the years. And it's also the last song that Paige wrote the music and lyrics for, uh, because after Plant wrote the lyrics for the song that follows it, he knew Plant was uh, ready to fully take the torch. And the song that follows it is That's the Way, which features uh, some of the prettiest and most touching lyrics in their catalog, and the music uh, matches them really well. Uh, I like the live versions of it, but they're um, obviously played without the bass and the dulcimer that's added uh, towards the end as the tambourine comes in for the coda, which I think uh, gives the uh, the studio version a nice little extra something and uh, is part of why I would choose it over the also good live versions and my band played this a few times as well uh fully acoustic with me on tambourine and uh, that was a lot of fun and the crowd seemed to enjoy it uh, and then brown yar stomp is an appropriately sweet uh whimsical and fun song for an ode to one's dog uh, this was about plant's dog strider and starting in june 72 he would uh call out strider at the end of the song the, the last line goes hear me call your name and then you would yell strider as the song uh, finished and i love the uh everything in the kitchen sink sort of uh mix that's going on in this one uh, similar to gallows pole and is also a uh kind of an auditory representation of the uh the kind of cluttered album cover or maybe it's the other way around and then hats off to roy harper is a fine song and is kind of neat in its uh sort of like an ode to robert johnson as far as the uh guitar and vocal style at the very least uh but it leads me to my main uh, beef with the album if you can call it that and that is i'm not sure why hey hey what can i do was left off of the album it was released as the b-side to the immigrant song single but didn't make the cut for the album uh perhaps they just didn't think it fit uh but i love that song uh compared to mildly liking uh hats off i think it's uh Hey, hey, what can I do? That is is one of uh, Plant's best vocal performances and showcases the romantic quality of his voice that he didn't always get a chance to show off that often during the Zep years. And uh, had it been included instead of Hats Off as the closer or elsewhere on the album, I probably would have Zeppelin III fourth instead of fifth. Uh, much of the album was written by Page and Plant during a retreat to Bronrar, which is a cottage in the Welsh mountains, uh, which they uh, escaped to when they finally had a slight reprieve from their relentless touring schedule. And those conditions are reflected in the, uh, the music that ended up on the album. At the time, there was a lot of hot air about them losing their mojo and going acoustic 
which is a bit strange since three of the five songs on side one are very heavy rockers and another is a blues epic. Um, side two is indeed very pastoral, but I love it for that. Uh, it would have been very easy for them to repeat the formula they had established on the first two albums to great commercial success. I mean, look at ACDC's career, uh, but they resisted that temptation and continued to push themselves and explore new things. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. Uh, it's definitely an underrated album, and it's one that's hard to get tired of or not be in the mood for. At number four, I have their debut, which was released on January 12th, 1969 in the States and March 31st, 1969 in the UK. So another one that's kind of a birthday album for me. Uh, the track listing is Good Times, Bad Times, Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You, You Shook Me, Dazed and Confused, Your Time Is Gonna Come, Black Mountainside, Communication Breakdown, I Can't Quit You Baby, and How Many More Times. It finished fourth in average finish at 4.8125, fourth in wins-losses, three wins, three losses, and a tie, uh, sixth in point differential at a minus 7.5, fifth in points per song, 3.11, fifth in song score with a 33, and fifth in song score per song at 3.67, uh, just uh, three hundredths of a point behind Zeppelin III, uh, which is why I was able to justify uh, flipping the order. Uh, fifth best opener, I think, with Good Times, Bad Times, uh, which, similar to Immigrant Song, uh, it seems crazy to rank a song as good as Good Times, Bad Times fifth, but they... Uh, set the bar extremely high for opening songs. I think it has the second best closer in How Many More Times. I ranked it as the least original, which sounds strange because of how influential it was and still is similar to Zeppelin II. Uh, it's still very original in its own way. Uh, it's just not as uniquely uh Zeppelin as their subsequent albums are. I ranked it second for Flow. You Shook Me flows straight into Dazed and Confused. And then on the second half of the album, the whole thing pretty much flows uh, one into the next, uh, which I'm not going to suggest that they uh, necessarily gave the Beatles, the idea for the Abbey Road uh, medley on side two of that album, but this was released uh, eight months before Abbey Road, so it's possible. I ranked this one last in the lyrics department. Not that it doesn't have some good ones, but it also uh, has several covers on it, which you uh, can't award too many points uh, for lyrics if it's a cover. Uh, fifth best for Sonic Palette, fifth best for Page's performance, third best for Plant's performance, third best for Bonham, fifth best for Jones's bass, and sixth best for everything else Jones does. 
uh, it cannot be beat for raw power, uh, unbridled energy and immediacy. And it showcases um, the virtuosic uh, talents of all four members on their respective instruments. And uh, I would say it's arguably the best and most sophisticated debut album of all time. Uh, eight of the nine songs were played live, the 89%, which is third. Several songs from it became centerpieces of the live show for years to come. Dazed and Confused was played over 400 times, uh, by far the most of any song in their catalog, and is arguably their signature song, at least in the live setting. Uh, Black Mountainside, uh, paired with the lengthier White Summer, which never appeared on an album, uh, was an early staple before returning to the set in 1977, and again in 1979 and 1980, and for those three years, it transitioned straight into Kashmir, which was one of their best live transitions. Uh, Communication Breakdown, as I mentioned earlier, is one of only two songs along with Heartbreaker that they played at least once uh, every touring year. I Can't Quit You Baby was a staple from the start of their career through the first half of 1970 and returned as the final song of the Whole Lot of Love medley for the uh, Europe 73 shows. How many more times was their epic uh, medley including pre-encore closer until Whole Lot of Love took its place halfway through 1970 and then it would appear uh, every now and then again as an encore and then briefly returned in the main set uh, in the uh, the first part of 1975 uh, for the January shows uh, while they had to remove Dazed and Confused until Paige's finger healed, and then it wasn't played after January of 75. Uh, others were played less often, but Only Your Time Is Gonna Come was never played uh, in full or close to in full. Uh, Good Times, Bad Times made only sporadic medley appearances after 1969, uh, and I don't believe it was ever played isolated in full, at least in a show that we have on tape, but it was used for a little bit of a intro into Communication Breakdown to open some shows in 69, and then they played it in full uh, to open the 2007 reunion show, uh, Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You was uh, played fairly regularly in 1969 and then dropped. Uh, it was planned to be played in 1977, but they decided against it. Uh, and You Shook Me was a regular in 1969, but only made sporadic medley appearances after that. I typed my notes for this one first and didn't organize them song by song, but in the interest of time, I'm just gonna uh, barrel through, so bear with me. Uh, this album's highly influential in the rock, hard rock, heavy metal uh, worlds, and also uh, in punk, I think. Communication Breakdown is basically a punk rock song almost 10 years before uh, punk came into existence and uh, deserves more credit for that. Um, this album established Page as a guitar hero slash guitar god, however you want to put it, and also 
established his unique um, sort of wizard magician uh, persona within that larger guitar hero archetype, uh, particularly through his use of the violin bow on Dazed and Confused and how many more times. Uh, it also showcases Paige's skill as a producer with uh, tricks like Backwards Echo. And uh, this album took what bands like Cream and Jimi Hendrix Experience had been doing with heavy blues rock and cranked it up several notches while also uh, managing to make it more streamlined and appealing to the masses somehow. They certainly had a massive advantage in the vocal department compared to their uh, quote-unquote predecessors, which I put quotes around because I'm not sure how much I buy into them having uh, direct predecessors. Uh, but I also read somewhere that the, the difference between them and uh, Cream and the Hendrix experience in particular is that they really listened to each other while they were jamming, uh, so that it, which contributes to it sounding more directed and in sync as opposed to uh, three highly skilled soloists just doing their thing at the same time. Uh, I generally prefer Plant's more controlled uh, use of his high range on Led Zeppelin 3 and Led Zeppelin 4, but there's certainly a place for his uh, wild banshee wails that characterize this album. Uh, I think it's Bonham's best album for his extremely fast and dexterous bass drum playing that characterized their early days, uh, Good Times, Bad Times, of course, but also the triplets towards the end of the guitar solo in Dazed and Confused that he didn't often do in the live versions. But uh, if you listen closely to the studio version, those triplets that he does towards the end of the solo are uh, really hard to do at that speed when you've already been playing a pretty vigorous part for a few minutes. And while the album may not contain uh, Jones's most impressive bass work overall, it does feature some of his most his best and most recognizable individual songs on the bass, uh, Dazed and Confused, and How Many More Times in particular. The band members... Uh, often talk about how exhilarating it was to finally be uh, playing with people who were on their level and how that allowed them to uh, fully let loose and that excitement uh, shines through in the playing on this album. I should also mention that I think I Can't Quit You Baby is their best uh, straight interpretation of the blues, uh, in this case it's a cover, and it also features some of Bonham's best uh, bass drum playing. And of course, if I haven't mentioned before, Dazed and Confused is uh, my second favorite Zeppelin song for studio after Stairway to Heaven, uh, and my favorite in the live uh, setting. And now we come to the part of the rankings that I've been agonizing over the most. Uh, these two, which are in their own tier, the uh, the second and third spots, are extremely close in my mind and just up until pressing record a few seconds ago i was still debating switching the order or calling it a tie i'm going to go with 
what I have, which was uh, using the song score per song as a tiebreaker because I, uh, if I think so highly of this stat that I've created, then I have to stick with it. And as the, uh, the ESPN show that I used to watch a lot says, uh, numbers never lie. So in the third spot, I have Physical Graffiti, their sixth album, which was released on February 24th, 1975. The, and it was a double album because by this point they had enough uh, leftover songs from previous albums to, uh, to do so. So they uh, wrote eight new ones and then put in one that was a holdover from Zeppelin III, uh, three that were a holdover were holdovers from Zeppelin four and three that were holdovers from houses of the holy the track listing is custard pie the rover in my time of dying houses of the holy trampled underfoot cashmere in the light Bronrar, down by the seaside ten years gone night flight the wanton song boogie with stew Black Country Woman, and Sick Again. Physical finished tied for second with the one I have ahead of it in average finish at 2.9375, which is why I was especially tempted to change the order. It was first in wins losses at 7-0, but of course it has a big advantage being 15 songs long compared to the others being 7-10. to 10. Uh, first in point differential because of that as well, even though I only give a half point to additional songs once uh, the album it's up against has run out of songs at a plus 35.5, third in points per song at 3.9, uh, first in song score as you would expect with there being 15 songs uh, with the 62, and third in song score per song at a 4.13 which is uh, clearly a huge jump from the ones below it. I ranked it the uh, seventh best for opening song, which uh, kind of pained me to do because I love Custard Pie, but as I've said repeatedly, they set the bar extremely high with their opening songs. Uh, I think Sick Again is the uh, their fifth best uh, closer. I ranked this the most original of any of their albums, uh, I ranked it last in flow, which uh, that section, I have to admit, I'm not super uh, confident in my order for that. Uh, I don't think it has a bad flow by any means, just uh, compared to the rest. And I think when you have 15 or more songs, uh, there's bound to be a few instances where it's not uh, uh, liquid smooth from a flow perspective. Uh I think it has the second best uh, lyrics though, some really fantastic stuff in that regard. Uh, third best sonic palette, I think it's Page's best album, I think it's Plant's sixth best, uh, uh, second best uh, for Bonham I think, uh, and the only one that could compete with uh, presence from a technical uh, proficiency perspective at least, uh, second best for Jones's bass, and the best for everything else Jones does. Now those 
uh, extremely high scores on all of the instrumental fronts were another uh, thing that made me really tempted to flip the order between this and the second one. But anyway, I've decided we're sticking to it. Uh, physical went platinum and hit number one on advanced orders alone. And with its release, they became the first artists to have their entire back catalog re-enter the charts upon a new release, which was uh, quite a nice feather in their cap. And uh, around the time of its release uh, in 1975, uh, I think was probably the absolute peak of their uh, popularity uh, critically, commercially, and uh, the peak of their dominance over uh, the music industry and pop culture. Only eight and a half, which I'll explain in a second, of the 15 songs on it were played live, uh, which works out to 57% and ranks sixth, which is really unfortunate, I think. Uh, Custard Pie was never played, and I think it should have been the opener in 1975, at least for the second leg, once the album had been released, uh, instead of Rock and Roll, which... Uh, by that point didn't make as much sense as the opener as it did uh, in late 72 and uh, 73, especially because uh, Plant couldn't come close to uh, replicating the the vocals on the studio album uh, by this point. Uh, the Rover was hinted at a few times in Days and Confused and Whole Lot of Love in 72 and 73. Uh, the Sydney, Australia, February 27th, 72, All Out of Love, and the uh, July 15th, 73, Dazed and Confused in Buffalo in particular. Uh, but then the first minute or so of it was played to link uh, The Song Remains the Same with Sick Again at the start of the 1977 shows uh, for the entire tour. Uh, it was never played complete, though, which is also a shame. Uh, in My Time of Dying was a regular for all of 1975 and the first uh, two-thirds or so of 1977 and dropped after that. Houses of the Holy was never played and could have been good in 1975, I think. Trampled Underfoot was a regular for all of 1975, uh, a sometimes encore and sometimes pre-encore inclusion in 1977 and a regular again in 79 and 80. Uh, Cashmere was a fixture from the start of 1975 uh, right up until the end in 1980. In the Light was never played. Apparently they were interested in playing it, but it was too complicated for uh, four people to adequately uh, reproduce on stage with the technology that was available at the time. Uh, Braun Rara was a setlist fixture for the 1970 summer tour five years before its official release, but not played after that. Uh, Down by the Seaside was never played, sadly. Ten Years Gone was a regular in 1977 and 79, but those are the only years it was played. Uh, Night Flight was never played. The Wanton Song was played at the January 1975 shows and then dropped. Uh, Boogie with Stew was never played. Black Country Woman debuted June 19th, 1972 in Seattle, 
which turned out to be the only complete performance of it. Uh, it was played as a minute and a half prelude to Browner Our Stomp in 1977, though. And Sick Again was the second song in the set for all of 75 and 77, and then moved to later in the set for 79 before being dropped in 1980. As far as my song-by-song thoughts, uh, Custard Pie is one of their most underrated riffs and has uh, sexual lyrics on par with Black Dog, and I love the clavinet in it. Uh, it's also a great example of the uh, the huge drum sound that uh, Bonham achieved by uh, putting his kit in the stairwell at Headley Grange, which uh, more on that later. Uh, the Rover is one of their most forgotten uh, great songs, I think. Uh, great lyrics, uh, several great uh, riffs and hooks in that, uh, and some really cool playing by Paige uh, in the outro. I especially love how it gets uh, more intense as the outro uh, goes on. Uh, great song that they should have played live in full, and uh it might be more popular if they had. In My Time of Dying is probably Bonham's second best studio song after Achilles' Last Stand. Uh, it's Paige's best slide playing and has Jones uh, grooving along with a fretless bass. And while I think it uh, was one of their best and most consistently well-played live songs, and I uh, love the live versions, I think I still prefer the studio version even, uh, partly because Plant uh, didn't usually sing the Oh Georgina uh, lines during the uh, outro on the live versions. He does on the first night in Vancouver 75 though, which is uh, one of the reasons that's one of my favorite versions. Um, Houses of the Holy uh, is another great forgotten riff. Uh, left off of its namesake album because they felt it was too similar to Dancing Days, which they preferred. Uh, it fits just as well uh, here on Physical Graffiti, though, and uh, Physical is the better for it. Uh, Trampled Underfoot is almost disco, but with way more balls and grit, and is much cooler than uh, anything that's actually disco. Uh, if there's a more popular song with a prominent clavinet part, I have yet to discover it. Uh, and it has uh, clever lyrics from Plant uh, using automobile metaphors for sex, as Robert Johnson did on Terraplane Blues uh, 40 years earlier. And then we have Cashmere, which is a true epic in every sense of the word. Uh, it's in the conversation for their greatest song. It features a 3-4 riff over a 4-4 beat, which lends it a great sense of both propulsion and tension. It has fantastic lyrics from Plant, and uh, they recreated it admirably live and extended the outros in uh, 1977 especially, and those were uh, really awesome, but I think the studio version still has a certain magic to it uh, that the live versions don't because of uh, having an actual orchestra instead of uh, Jones recreating it with the Mellotron and uh, having a brass section and all that. Um, 
it's uh, not only their best and fullest and most cohesive uh, blending of Eastern and Western musical elements, but I dare say uh, it's the best that anyone has done in that regard. Uh, I don't think you can say enough good things about Kashmir. And then kicking off the second disc is In the Light, which is a very unusual song compared to uh, anything else you're likely to encounter in Western music. Uh, I'm not always in the mood for it, but I do love it. Uh, you really need to focus and listen closely to it to appreciate it properly. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's between it and Carousalombra for their most unusual or least accessible to the casual fan uh, epic, but it's definitely the superior of the two. Uh, Bron Rar is some of the most beautiful acoustic playing I've heard, and it effectively transports you to the Welsh mountains where it was written, or any uh, similarly beautiful place that's special to you. And uh, Plant used to uh, say something along uh, those lines when he was introducing it on that uh, 1970s summer tour. Uh, said explained how they went there to uh, write stuff for the third album which was at that point still forthcoming and said they when they when it was time to go they decided they couldn't just leave and forget about it so they wanted to write a song to remember it by and he said uh, you've probably all been to a place like that only we can tell you and you can't tell us uh, Down by the Seaside is very underrated and I think uh, unknown to all but the hardcore fans uh, due to being buried on the back half of a double album, which I think is a real shame because it's probably uh, one of their most palatable songs to casual or non-fans. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of adjectives and superlatives that you can use to describe Zeppelin songs but uh, soothing and nice are not two that would typically come to mind, but they fit this song very well. Uh, 10 Years Gone is a top 10 Zeppelin song for me. Uh, it hits so close to home, it hurts if you can relate to where Plant was coming from with the lyrics. Uh, it was inspired by a girl he loved as a teenager who told him he had to choose between his music and her, and he obviously made the right call, but found himself 10 years later looking back and uh, wondering what might have been. He uh, Some of his introductions of it in 1977 are uh, some of my favorite uh, plantations. I think my favorite one is the uh, April 10th, 77 uh, show in Chicago, where he says in England it's very important to uh, take your love to the back of the school bus and tell her that uh, forever and ever you'll be together, something to that effect. Uh, and he says, it never works out that way, but you can try it in every town. I always get a chuckle out of that. Uh, Ten Years Gone also features uh, some of Paige's finest and most emotive playing, I think. Uh, one of his uh, best solos, or at least one of my favorites. Uh, it's also a preview of the guitar orchestra concept that he would deploy even more extensively on Achilles' Last Stand. The live versions of uh, Ten Years, while they had more extensive soloing from Page, 
uh, lack the presence of Jones's bass w- because uh, of there being so many guitar parts. He had to uh, play an acoustic on it to cover uh, some of the parts that Page wasn't able to do all himself, uh, which makes the studio version uh, sound much fuller, and I prefer it for that reason. And also, uh, 10 Years Gone always makes me think of the Twilight movies for some reason. I'm not entirely sure why that is. Uh, but I like the movies, so uh, I consider it a plus. Night Flight is a fun little tune and one of the few songs of theirs that jumps right into the lyrics. Uh, usually their intros are quite an elaborate uh, production and they have some of the best intros of all time as a result, but uh, this one... Uh, hops right to it, which is nice to shake it up anyway. Uh, The Wanton Song is one of their most violent and menacing riffs and uh, has some uh, aggressive bass drum work from Bonham, which uh, became a little bit less common as the years went on. Uh, It's not going to compete with Stairway or anything as far as songwriting greatness goes, but uh, damn, it's powerful. Uh, Boogie with Stew uh, is definitely one of the most lighthearted songs in their catalog. I love Ian Stewart's uh, Boogie Woogie piano, though, so this one uh, is a a fun one that I enjoy. Uh, Black Country Woman, I enjoy it, but sometimes I feel like it might actually be a bit too long, uh, considering the lack of variety musically and lyrically. I think truncating it when they played it in 77 was a good move. Uh, And Sick Again, apart from Paige's solo, I think it shone a bit better live. Uh, And the lyrics, which are sort of a commentary on the whole uh, groupie scene, were very fitting for the times. As far as my general thoughts about the album, uh, it has an incredible amount of variety, as could be expected for an album of theirs that's 15 songs long. I saw it described once as an excessive album from the band that all but defined excess, and I think that pretty much sums it up. Uh, It's definitely deep-end Zeppelin, uh, maybe not as much as Presence, but it's full of hidden gems that are unknown to or forgotten by all but the diehard uh, fans, Uh, which is the strange thing about all-time great bands, if you think about it. Uh, If songs like The Rover or Down by the Seaside or even a more popular one like Ten Years Gone were by some lesser band and were that band's best song, they'd be played all the time on classic rock radio, but because they're buried on Zeppelin's double album, even radio DJs uh, forget about them. Physical has uh, something, probably even multiple songs, for every mood and everybody. Uh, And as I said, I was very close to putting it number two, and really it's more like a tie for second. Because of the variety, I think you might be able to say that it would be the hardest album of theirs to grow tired of, or put another way, it might be my first choice if I had to pick one to uh, take with me to a, a deserted island. Having said all of that, the one that I ended up putting second is Houses of the Holy. 
their fifth album, which was released on March 28th, 1973. Its track listing is The Song Remains the Same, The Rain Song, Over the Hills and Far Away, The Crunch, Dancing Days, Jamaica, No Quarter, and The Ocean. Houses finished tied for second in average finish with physical at 2.9375, tied for second in uh, wins, losses, uh, five wins, a loss, and a tie. It actually tied uh, Led Zeppelin four. They uh, came to a 4-4 tie. Uh, third in point differential at plus 15.5. Second in points per song at 4.75, uh, tied for third in song score at 37, and most crucially for its tiebreaker with physical, second in song score per song at a 4.63, which is a very, very high rating. I put it down as the fourth best opener with The Song Remains the Same, but you could very easily... Uh, flip the order between the song remains the same and uh, black dog which i put a hair ahead of it uh, i think the ocean is their third best uh, closer i think houses is the second most original uh, i think it has the third best flow fifth best lyrics i think it has the best uh, sonic palette it's not as diverse as uh, physicals is, but it uh, it's very lush and bright sounding, and uh, you can almost picture each song on it as a different uh, vibrant color, which uh, is mirrored by the uh, album cover. Uh, I think it's Page's third best album, Plant's fifth best. Uh, Bonham's fifth best. I think it's the best for Jones's bass, which I didn't expect to be the case, but when I listened closely with headphones, it was pretty clear to me. Uh, the song remains the same as one of his very best uh, bass songs, uh, and as is Over the Hills and The Crunch, uh, and his reggae playing on Jamaica is really cool. And then uh, No Quarter as well, which I'll mention uh, a bit later when I get to the detailed observations. Uh, anyhow, uh, and third best for everything else that Jones does, uh, even though he doesn't do a ton from a variety perspective compared to uh, some other albums slightly below it on that front, uh, because it includes No Quarter, which is his signature piece, especially on the keys. I had to uh, give it a bit of a bump for that. Seven of its eight songs were played uh, live, which works out to 88% and ranks fourth. But again, that's a meaningless uh, distinction with the ones where they have only one song that wasn't played. Uh, the song remains the same. Uh, was a set list staple from October 1972 all the way through 1979. It was paired with the Rain Song as it is to open this album uh, through 1975, and then it became the opener in 1977 and 1979. And as I mentioned earlier, was uh, it would be between it and Immigrant Song for 
their best live opening song. Uh, the Rain song was a staple when it was paired with The Song Remains the Same from October 72 through 1975, and then it returned as a standalone in 1979 and 1980. Over the Hills and Far Away was introduced on June 19, 1972 in Seattle, and was played at almost every show the rest of that North American tour, and then became a staple from October 72 through 1975. It was dropped at the start of the 77 tour, but returned for the third night at the Garden in New York, and mostly replaced In My Time of Dying for the rest of the 77 tour. And it was in the set in 79, but dropped for 1980. The Crunch was never played as a standalone, but it made many truncated appearances in 1972 versions of Days and Confused, which is actually what it evolved out of, and uh, 1973 versions of Whole Lot of Love before uh, seeing its most complete performances uh, during the 1975 Whole Lot of Love encores. And there are a few, especially the first night at the Forum, March 24th, 75, where it's played uh, close enough to complete that I'm counting it. Uh, Dancing Days also debuted on June 19th, 72 in Seattle. Uh, they played it twice that night, as I mentioned in the episode about the 72 tour, and it mostly remained in the set list for the rest of the American dates and then became a fixture in the set list uh, from October 72 through the European tour in the spring of 73, uh, and then it only made a single appearance on the North American 73 tour as an encore the second night in Detroit, July 13th, uh, and then it was dropped after that except for its lone reappearance, uh, which was during Bron Rar Stomp on uh, June 27th, 77, the last night in LA. Jamaica, unfortunately, was never played live. It's the only song from the album that wasn't. Plant hinted at it occasionally, but they never actually did it. Uh, supposedly, Bonham had trouble with, with it, which I never understood until my band uh, decided to cover it. And while the main groove uh, is not difficult at all, the trouble is uh, the way the timing works with uh, the guitar and bass following the drums with all of the pauses. You have to play those fills exactly the way that they are on the uh, studio version. Otherwise, it throws off your guitarist and uh, bassist. I mean, presumably it wouldn't have with... Uh, Page and Jones, perhaps, but uh, yeah, and it's, I mean, I'm sure it would have been easier for him to play them exactly exactly the way he played them on the studio version, uh, because he's the one who thought of them, and I got them all down, they're easy enough to do, but it's remembering which one goes in which spot, and if I remember correctly, there are either nine or eleven different ones. So uh, from that perspective, I can understand why they didn't play it. Uh, no Quarter became their second best live song after Dazed and Confused, in my opinion, and was arguably uh, more consistently well played. 
it was a staple from the start of the 1973 North American tour uh, through 1979 and then dropped for 1980. And lastly, The Ocean also debuted June 19th, 72 in Seattle. Uh, that's one of the things that makes that show so special is that it's one thing for debuts to occur on the first night of a tour when there's、uh, new material, but the fact that they dropped in so much new stuff、uh, in the middle of a tour that they already had a set list worked out for.、Uh, it's just like, hey, we just wrote this stuff. We really like it and we love playing in Seattle, so we're going to do it tonight.、Uh, it makes that show really special. Anyway, so The Ocean,、uh, and that, that's the only time that The Ocean was played not as an encore. Uh, after that, it was a pretty regular encore for the rest of 72 and all of 73, and then never played again, sadly. There's a guy repeatedly calling for it before the encores the last night in LA in 75,、uh, but sadly, they did not oblige him. As far as my song by song、uh, observations, The Song Remains the Same is a showcase for the virtuosity of all four members, much like、uh, much of the first album was, but a tighter and more polished one.、Uh, it's got great soloing by Page on the 12 string,、uh, which is difficult to do with the strings being so close together.、Uh, some of Jones's very best、uh, bass playing, Bonham.、Uh, Showed off on it more on the live versions, but he still tears it up on the studio version. And、uh, some really high notes from Plant, although they're achieved by speeding up the tape on the studio version, which gives his voice a strange、uh, sucked the helium out of a balloon sort of effect,、uh, which kind of fits the overall bright timbre of the album, but isn't always my favorite.、Uh, because of that, in some ways, I prefer、uh, his more natural. Live vocals on this song,、uh, if it's a night when he was in good voice. But anyhow, the studio version is an awesome way to start the album.、Uh, the Rain Song is an absolutely gorgeous song,、uh, reportedly inspired by George Harrison lamenting to Page that they didn't have any ballads. And the beauty of the instrumentation is perfectly complemented by.、Uh, Plant's romantic lyrics, which are some of his best.、Uh, actually, it's a bit of a chicken and the egg argument. I don't know whether it's the music complementing Plant's lyrics or his lyrics complementing the music. They're both amazing.、Uh, and the song sounds wet, like it, the title is uh, uh, very fitting. Anyhow,、uh, speaking of the lyrics,、uh, Speak to me only with your eyes is one of my favorite lines in any song, not just a Zeppelin song.、Uh, and then Over the Hills and Far Away is、uh, one of their best and probably their very best sub five minute song.、Uh, it encapsulates so much about what made them great in so little time. It's got an intricate, enchanting intro. Dynamic swells, a contrast between acoustic and electric, a great catchy riff, groovy and melodic bass playing, a creative groove by Bonham to stay locked in step with the riff,、uh, plant in his high pitched glory, 
and also neat little details like Paige's solo dancing back and forth from left to right in the mix, uh, and some studio trickery with the false ending. Uh, the live versions ended up containing some of Paige's best solos and uh, some of the best interplay between he, Jones, and Bonham uh, during his solo section, but uh, they also had to give up the acoustic opening, uh, which hurt it a little bit live. And uh, Plant's lyrics on this can uh, slide a bit under the radar, and uh, he didn't help matters by... Uh, never singing the opening line uh, properly in the live versions. He repeated the second verse uh, instead of starting with the many have I loved and many times been bitten line, which uh, gave the song a, a strange kind of effect at the beginning. But anyway, and I love the line at the end, many is a word that only leaves you guessing guessing about a thing you really ought to know, which I've always interpreted as, uh, you know, don't uh, confuse yourself by thinking like, oh, there's plenty of fish in the sea and all that if you already know uh, who the one is for you. The crunch is one of their most obscure time signature-wise. It oscillates between 9-8 and 4-4 throughout the song. Uh, it's certainly not their only funky song, but it is their only true funk song. Albeit a bit tongue-in-cheek, it's a bit of a James Brown spoof with plants repeated, has anybody seen the bridge uh, calls? Uh, it's certainly fun and groovy and is a fun one to play as a drummer, but it's my least favorite on the album. I also kind of prefer how they played it faster when it was... Uh, during the 1972 versions of Dazed and Confused, although I didn't like it lightening the mood in Dazed and Confused. Uh, maybe I'm just difficult to please. Uh, Dancing Days, uh, kicking off side two, is one of their poppiest songs, and it's kind of surprising it never became a radio hit, actually. Uh, I think they maybe were expecting it to be. They were so happy when they finished recording it that they uh, danced around on the lawn at uh, Mick Jagger's uh, house, actually, where they were recording it using the Stones uh, mobile studio, which they did a few times. Uh, it also has clever lyrics from uh, Plant with uh, lines like, I saw a lion, he was standing alone with a tadpole in a jar. Uh, which I've always um, interpreted as uh, him lamenting uh, having to use a condom. And uh, also, I told your mama I'd get you home, but I didn't tell her I had no car. I said that in a backwards order because those two lines are together. I told your mama I'd get you home, but I didn't tell her I had no car. I saw a lion. He was standing alone with a tadpole in a jar. And then we have Jamaica, which uh, is not pronounced the way it's spelled, Dyer Macher. Uh, it's uh, apparently an English uh, sort of pun where you know two guys in a pub, like the one guy says that he went to Jamaica on vacation or something, and then the other guy says, ah, Jamaica, as in like, did you have success with a female there? Or something like that. Anyway, 
regardless of the title, uh, it's one of my favorite uh, songs of theirs. Although they occasionally got into reggae-ish jams live, this is their only uh, reggae song on record. That uh, grade 10 March break trip to Smuggler's Notch that I mentioned earlier in the episode uh, to go skiing with our uh, good family friends uh, took place, uh, I guess, about a month into my dive down the rabbit hole, and I had uh, listened to Houses of the Holy, so I knew the song and uh one of the days when we were having lunch at the bottom of the hill out on the patio and it was a nice sunny like early spring sort of day uh this song came on and it was uh just perfect and i think because of that it always uh makes me think of those sunny days that give you hope at the end of winter uh i think it's actually one of the more convincing reggae tunes by a non-reggae artist as well. Uh, The piano in the left channel that plays the same uh, two-note motif almost the entire song, the is uh, one of those little things that can slide under the radar but really makes the song work. And this is probably the Zeppelin song that I would say gets the most... uh, smiles and nods of approval when I uh, put it on for people who aren't Zeppelin fans. Uh, As far as No Quarter, uh, I had forgotten how cool the bass playing is on the studio version uh, until I was listening with headphones preparing for this episode uh, because of how much time I spend listening to the live versions, which obviously uh, don't have the bass on it. And although I'll always espouse the merits of the live versions of this song, uh, which uh, are, as I said earlier, I think it's their second best live song, and overall it's a top ten song of theirs for me. Uh, the, uh, The live versions lost the moodiness of the studio version as they grew more epic, uh, and I think it's one of the moodiest, most atmospheric songs of all time. And uh, the riff and Plant's screams on the outro on the studio version always used to make me think of what I imagine the Battle of Armageddon will be like. And then lastly, The Ocean is one of their best riffs, helped by Paige's superb tone on it. And uh, it's a deceptively simple-sounding song. Uh, During the riff sections, it alternates between 4-4 and 7-8 time. The outro section is also some of the most exuberant uh, stuff that they ever played. They channeled a lot of emotions, but not often pure joy like this, which is part of what made it a perfect encore song for them. And uh, my band closed our shows with this uh, for a while, and the crowd always lapped it up. Uh, Overall thoughts on Houses of the Holy? It's definitely their sunniest, happiest album and why shouldn't it have been? They wrote it and recorded it uh, just as they had reached the top of the mountain off the success of Led Zeppelin Four. It's uh, probably their most accessible album, and uh, it almost doesn't feel right to listen to it when the sun isn't shining, but uh, there's no better album of theirs to listen to when it's a beautiful day out. And finally, at number one, I have Led Zeppelin Four 
which was released on November 8th, 1971. The track listing for it is Black Dog, Rock and Roll, The Battle of Evermore, Stairway to Heaven, Misty Mountain Hop, Four Sticks, Going to California, and When the Levee Breaks. It finished first in average finish at 2.3125, tied for second with Houses of the Holy as far as wins losses, 5 1 and 1. Uh, second in point differential at plus 21.5, first in points per song at 5.13, uh, second in song score with a 40, and most importantly, first in song score per song with a 5, uh, which is the first perfect score that I've awarded, and uh, I suspect might be the only one. Uh, I put it third best as far as opening song with Black Dog. Uh, I think When the Levee Breaks is their best closer. Uh, I put it at third most original, uh, which is really splitting hairs because it's very original. It's just uh, houses and uh, physical graffiti to me are even more uh, only Zeppelin could have created them. I think it has the best flow, the best lyrics, the second best sonic palette. I think it's Page's second best. I think it's Plant's best. Uh, I think it's Bonham's fourth best. Jones's seventh best for bass playing, which uh, comes with a big caveat. All of his playing on it is fantastic, but for all of the Battle of Evermore, the first half of Stairway to Heaven and all of Going to California, he doesn't play bass at all, so that's why I uh, put it a little lower, but it obviously didn't affect its uh, average score. Uh, And fourth best for everything else that Jones does. Perhaps not surprisingly, it's the only album of theirs where every song from it was played live in full at least once. Uh, Black Dog was a staple from the start of 1971 through 1975. Uh, In 75, it was an encore, but played almost every night. Uh, Only played twice in 77 as an encore both times, and then back to a regular in the set in 79 and 80. I think it worked better uh, early in the regular set than as an encore in 75 and 77 sounded a bit better in 77 the two times they did probably because it was fresh and also plant's voice was a bit better 77 anyway uh rock and roll was a regular encore in 1971 and the first half of 72 then became the opener from october 72 uh through 1975 and then it returned as a regular encore for 77 79 and 80 I think it worked better as an encore than as the opener. Uh, They often played it a little too slow when it was the opener. Uh, The Battle of Evermore took a while to make its debut, but it was part of the 1977 set list, kicking off the acoustic set, and I think it was a really good fit on that tour. Stairway to Heaven obviously became an anthem. Uh, It came about a third of the way through the show from the start of 71, through June 72, 
And then from October 72 to July 73, it moved up to about two thirds of the way through the show. And then from 1975 through to the end of their career, it was the pre-encore closer. Misty Mountain Hop made an isolated debut May 3rd, 71 in Copenhagen and then became a setlist regular leading into Since I've Been Loving You from October of 72 uh, through the end of 1973 and then uh, disappeared for 75 and 77 but returned again leading into Since I've Been Loving You uh, for 1979 uh, and then wasn't played in 1980. Uh, four Sticks, uh, that same May 3rd, 71 Copenhagen show is the only recorded performance of it, uh, and it flows straight into the first of the two complete versions of Gallo's Pole. It's possible that it was played the following night as well, and potentially the May 10th show in Liverpool, uh, but there's no recordings of those two shows uh, as of yet, at least. I think it worked really well live, and I'm not sure why they didn't keep playing it in 1971 at least. Uh, Plant's voice definitely couldn't have handled it after 71, so I understand why they never reintroduced it uh, in subsequent years, but it would have been cool to hear them uh, give it a go for a bit longer in 71. Going to California was a regular for all of 71 in the first half of 72, and then it returned for the Earl's Court shows in 75 and all of 77. And when the levee breaks uh, was only played uh, complete at the very beginning of 1975 and dropped after only a handful of shows, but it was uh, hinted at every now and then in medleys. Uh, as far as song-by-song song observations, uh, Black Dog was the uh, soundtrack to my best friend Jeremy and I's high school years. Uh, I think any teenage boy is a sucker for uh, lyrics like these. Uh, the tension and release of the 5-4 riff over the 4-4 drum beat, which obviously only sync up once every 20 beats, uh, lends it a serpentine feel that perfectly matches the sexual lyrics, uh, something that only a drummer might notice is that Bonham's a uh, little fill after the first round of uh, 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 going into the oh baby pretty baby section uh, is one of the most uh, difficult things he ever did to me at least uh, I still can't do it it's, it's the uh, the fill where it goes so what he's doing there is snare floor tom bass floor tom snare floor tom bass floor tom snare and to fit the bass drum note uh, directly in between those two floor tom hits that fast. Uh, maybe it's just me, but I find it incredibly difficult. And the ensuing Oh Baby, Pretty Baby section and the, the solo section at the end, which is the same uh, groove, uh, feature some of Bottom's coolest and most fun to play uh, bass drum work, which he wouldn't always play that aggressively live, especially after 71, but uh, really cool stuff. And Page's solo is uh, one of his niftiest, I think, in the way that it sometimes uh, sticks with the stop-start groove of the drums and bass and sometimes rolls right through the stops, uh, would later be employed during some Dazed and Confused outros in 73, 
uh, Hamburg and Seattle in particular. Uh, as far as rock and roll, I'm generally not a fan of rock's obsession with itself in song titles and lyrics and all that. Uh, I mean, just look at how many songs ACDC have with rock in the title, and I don't mean to attack ACDC in this episode. I'm a huge fan, and they're one of my top 10 artists. Uh, but yeah, I'm not a huge fan of rock's obsession with itself for the most part. But in this case, I think it's the perfect title because uh, this song perfectly blends the two main eras and styles of rock that existed to that point, at least. You've got the 50s style rock and roll with Bonham's uh, intro and then smaller little intros throughout the song after the pauses, which uh, was inspired by Keep a Knockin' by Little Richard. And actually, they came up with this on the spot. Uh, Bonham was frustrated between takes of one of the more complicated ones, I believe, Four Sticks, and just bashed out the intro. And then they all kind of jumped in and came up with it right then and there. So anyway, you have the 50s style rock and roll with that and uh, Ian Stewart's boogie woogie piano. And then you have the heavier rock of the late 60s and 70s uh, with the rest of the song. Uh, thus, if you could only play one song uh, to a group of aliens to explain everything that rock and roll is about, uh, I think this would be as good a choice as any, and why it's uh, deserving of the title Rock and Roll. Uh, the Battle of Evermore is one of the most convincingly medieval-sounding uh, contemporary songs I've heard. It's earthy, haunting, and desolate, and I think uh, making this the only song in their catalog with a guest vocalist was the right call. Uh, Sandy Denny's vocals are perfect for the role of the town crier because uh, the song is a, a call and response type of thing with uh, Plant narrating the situation and uh, Sandy Denny portraying the uh, the town crier that they would have in the little medieval towns in the British Isles several hundred years ago. Uh, and then Stairway to Heaven, I mean, what can I say that hasn't already been said it's uh rightly regarded as one of the greatest songs of all time i've never had uh stairway fatigue the way that some people do uh by this point because of it being the most requested and most played song in the history of radio uh probably because i'm careful to uh listen to the studio version sparingly enough that it doesn't lose its magic uh I also may be getting to the point of revising my favorite song of all time uh, for years and years since I was probably like seven years old. It's been Light My Fire by The Doors, but uh, if I try to tease apart the nostalgia factor that gives Light My Fire a boost, which is still like easily a top 10 song for me, uh, probably even higher than that, uh, it's possible that... I like Stairway more by this point. Not only does it slowly speed up as it goes along, which was intentional, uh, Paige wanted it to be like an adrenaline rush, uh, it's also like a journey through time. It starts off in the Elizabethan era, just after the medieval age that we left behind on the Battle of Evermore, 
and then slowly starts to sound more modern as it goes along, uh, finally landing emphatically in the heavy rock of the 70s for the last verse. And uh, I think that perfectly conveys the contrast between rural and urban and old and new that's at the heart of the album and represented in the artwork, which on the front side has the uh, dilapidated wall with a uh, an old man with sticks on his back in a picture frame hanging on the wall. And then on the back side, there's a, a very uh, bleak and bland looking uh, sort of condo building and everything that was wrong with the 20th century from an architectural perspective. And despite Plant's uh, slight disenchantment with Stairway as the years went on, I think that it does have some of his best lyrics. And like so many other great songs, they flowed out of him like a, a stream of consciousness as he sat by the fire one night. And they're great because they can take on so many meanings to different people at different times. And I don't think it's a coincidence that they are the only lyrics uh, the band ever decided to type out in full and include in the uh, liner notes to one of their albums. I've also always wondered if the there's a feeling I get when I look to the West and my spirit is crying for leaving. Line is a Lord of the Rings reference, since the elves in Lord of the Rings are from across the sea to the west. Uh, the songs that bookend Stairway, Battle of Evermore, and Misty Mountain Hoff uh, also have Lord of the Rings references, so it seems plausible. Uh, the Battle of Evermore talks about the ring wraiths riding in black, and the Misty Mountains are an actual place in Lord of the Rings, so there's that. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Stairway is one of, if not Page's best guitar solo and is often singled out as the greatest guitar solo by anybody. And then on side two, uh, Misty Mountain Hop offers a necessary reprieve from the depth and seriousness of the previous two songs, uh, and it has some of Bonham's most fun fills. Uh, and while its transitions into Since I've Been Loving You live were thrilling, I, this is one where I prefer the studio version. It doesn't help that the isolated uh, Copenhagen 71 version is the only one where Plant can hit the original high notes. The uh, lyrics describe getting busted for marijuana possession in the park, and the uh, so I'm packing my bags for the Misty Mountains line uh, would seem to confirm their choice in the urban versus rural conflict. Uh, I also think the Lord of the Rings references work better on these three songs on Zeppelin IV than they do on Ramble On, because uh, I feel they're a bit more subtle or uh, better integrated somehow on this one. And they also seem to perfectly match the overall you know, vibe and theme of the song and, or of the, uh, album rather and the artwork and all that uh for sticks the title refers to bonham using two sticks in each hand on the winning take you can clearly hear them uh clicking together if you listen closely it features some of his most relentless bass drum playing uh, i challenge any of you drummers out there to play it without getting a major shin cramp by the end 
but his playing on it is also uh, very primal and tribal, which is cool. Uh, he would play that way um, during the Dazed and Confused outros, and uh, of course at times during Moby Dick, but this is probably the the uh, the most significant instance of him playing in that style on one of their albums. Uh, we must be deep in the Misty Mountains now. Four Sticks also has uh, some more time signature trickery. It's a mix of 5-8 and 6-8, and it's another instance of blending Eastern scales and things with more typical Western elements, uh, and also some African elements with the tribal sort of drumming. Uh, Going to California is arguably their best acoustic song, and you could probably argue their prettiest song as well. Uh, And it's the perfect penultimate song before a closer like When the Levee Breaks, which is a sort of cover uh, reworking of the 1929 song of the same name by Kansas Joe McCoy and Memphis Minnie, which describes the Great Mississippi Flood of 1927. Uh, I would say it's the greatest, most massive drum sound ever achieved and uh, dutifully sampled by many artists in a wide array of genres since. They put Bonham's kit at the bottom of the stairwell at Headley Grange, the uh, old house in the English countryside where they were writing and recording the album and put the mics at the top of the stairwell and it gave a huge echo. Uh, And then the tape was also uh, slowed down afterwards in the case of when the levee breaks. They repeated this trick uh, minus the tape slowing on physical graffiti, which they also uh, did much of at Headley Grange. Uh, Page's wailing slide guitar sounds on when the levee breaks sound exactly like the howling winds of a storm that would break the levee. Uh, And I think this is the perfect closer sonically and metaphorically because it reminds us that uh, nature always wins the struggle between it and man-made stuff in the end uh, when the possibility of natural disasters still exists. What sets Led Zeppelin IV apart is that it's the best collection of individual songs and also the best for the whole being greater than the sum of its parts. It probably has the most intricate concept of any of their albums in the sense that it's cohesively uh, woven through the entire album uh, and it manages to merge hundreds of years of musical styles and lyrical subject matter from multiple continents, uh, urban and rural, history and fantasy, and make it both blend together and seamlessly become something new, which is something that I haven't heard another album by anybody uh, even come close to doing, uh, which is why I put it at number one and why I assigned it a perfect score. As I said in the beginning, if anything, this exercise reminded me uh, how great all of Zeppelin's albums are. I look forward to doing this exercise for some of my other favorite artists to see how their catalogs compare under the same microscope. 
Uh, I love all eight of Zeppelin's albums and Coda too, uh, in their own way and wouldn't want to have to give up any of them, uh, which is a testament not only to the overall quality, uh, but also to their artistic integrity and constantly uh, pushing to reinvent themselves. So I think that just about wraps up today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Sorry it was a long one. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, For those of you who are loyal listeners, uh, thank you for the support. And for anyone who's new, welcome. I hope you like what you hear. And I hope you all have a safe and loud September. Uh, I think next week I'm going to review the Stones uh, Goat's Head Soup Deluxe Edition. And then there will be three Zeppelin tour-related episodes in a row after that. So uh, with that, uh, I will see you next time. Class dismissed.